As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of your next favorite movie. I am your host, Josh G. And it's back with our first of two monthly episodes with these guys. Please welcome Chad and Chris back. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, What's up, so Joshy? Yeah, it's going all right over here. You guys doing all right? Yeah, Mostly. Working. Chilling. No, Chris, you're working supposed to again. say, I'm excellent, everybody. How about yourselves? <laughs> working and chilling. Well, I'm sure we're all very, very cheerful after Chad has chosen this happy-go-lucky Father's Day movie, because tonight we'll be talking about The Road. In a moment, the world changed forever. We won't survive another winter. But for one family... Everything depends on reaching the coast. The real danger was yet to come. That boy looks hungry. Look at him again, I'll shoot you in the head. On November 25th comes the extraordinary journey. It's like it used to be when the sun came out. Of a father's fight. Get down! For his son's future. You have to keep carrying the fire. What fire? Fire inside you. The road rated R. Uh, I know, so. it's better than the Wizard of Oz, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know. Which road would you rather go down? Heading towards the <laughs> Emerald Castle or... <laughs> Oz, Oz is a scary place. I don't know if I'd want to even travel, traverse the the land. You want to take I would chance? rather take my chance on that than than the road. Uh, yeah, in a gray, desolate, dying yes. landscape, yeah, with full of ash. And I would take my my chance with the flying monkeys. I was like, in, in reality, let's be honest here. I'd probably just stop at Munching Land and be like, eh, I don't need to go any further. I'm happy mm-hmm. now." <laughs> that's yeah. true right and sing lollipop guild exactly i'd be an honorary guild. member of the lollipop guild <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine josh in those overalls ah, his leader hose lollipop guild lollipop guild <laughs> <laughs> all right josh doesn't meet the height requirement though i'm an honorary member i'm the tall member i'll be the tall that's member. right it's kind of like the, the, the black elf. sheep of the group he, yeah yes. it's kind of like the movie elf he's he's <laughs> Uh, there you go. He's, you know, Will Ferrell. <laughs> Will Ferrell, basically, of the lollipop. <laughs> I love it already. There we go. <laughs> and then I somehow end up in the normal world, and someone says something about a munchkin coming to town, and I'm like, I know them! <laughs> yep. <laughs> Get super excited in the middle of and Josh just Times Square, meeting <clears throat> super mean secretary or something like are you a good witch or a bad Are witch? A, witch? <laughs> a good witch? No. You're a bad witch. <laughs> All right. And with that, let's trans- Let's get this show back on course. And now we're going to be getting back down to the road. First off, you know, this that's a weird word. Road. 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 I'm sorry, Josh. Go ahead. Chat sounds like he took a little medicine before coming on the roots. The roads. 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 
But, but yes, the road was released, at least limited release, November 25th, 2009. Comes with a Rotten Tomato critic score of 73% and an audience score of 68%. Came with a budget of $25 million. Any guess on how much this makes? Oh, uh, yeah, I remember. I did only some made research on it, million, so right? I, know it, it, I know what the number is. I forgot, I don't know. Take a twenty-seven. Guess, Chris. Take a guess. <laughs> What'd you say, Chris? Million. 27 million. 27.6 yeah. million. So 27, you were right there six, at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it, did, it wasn't very successful against its own budget. Well, you gotta think it was a limited release. It was a very limited release. It was very limited, yeah. I, I mean, I think it did eventually get a wide release after, like, in December and stuff that year. Mm. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, you I know, thought... I kind of do remember at least seeing some posters in movie theaters, but I don't remember really seeing it, like, from, oh, well. Yeah, it, it was, was one so of those long you, ago. Chris yeah, Henry has gone. It's yeah. faded. But yeah, you could tell it was one of those movies that were definitely, I think, pushing for author contendership. Right. And this is... Well, Chaz, we said this is the Father's Day pick. And boy, this this is a bleak, bleak film, Chad. Very bleak. Just like my soul. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I chose it, in case you haven't. Kind out. of something like Maggie Smith there for saying, just like my soul. My soul. <laughs> no, it was like Winona Ryder <laughs> and uh, Bram Stoker's oh, yeah. Dracula. You have my body, but you'll never have my soul. <laughs> no, was it? Was, was that, that in the movie? Yeah, she said you know, something I was like that. I think it was Robin Hood and Ties too. Oh, you know, maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're right. Oh my god, I can't believe we got that mixed up. Yeah, it was Robin Hood Men in Tights. Never mind. Wait, Amy, you yes. got Robin Hood Men in Tights <laughs> and Bram Stoker's Dracula mixed up? Yeah, because I remember the law. I was like, I think that was Amy Asbeck. <laughs> you may have my body, oh, but man. not my soul. Not my soul. <laughs> I was wondering because I was like, man, that sounds like a comedy line. And it, that would have been is. weird to be in Dracula like that. <laughs> Well, they put fucking Keanu Reeves in there, so there was some comedy element there. Well, yeah, no, he he he, he did what he could. He did what he could, exactly. <laughs> Still a good movie, though. Oh, I love it. Mean, he sounded like a California though. surfer dropped in the middle of Victorian England. But hey, I like happens. Keanu Reeves. The Kemp. The Kemp. <laughs> so, before we get further into this, let's talk about the cast of characters. First of all, I, th- I found one of the most interesting things. No one in this movie has a name. Nope. Yeah, that's true. Referred yeah. to as the man and this man, the boy, the boy, yeah. the wife, the, maybe wife, the, wife, right? the old man, the, woman, the, the thief, the road rat, the veteran. veteran. Yeah. No names in this, but of course we have Vigo Mortensen as the man or Papa, as the boy calls him. Papa, which I mean, and, does is that a thing? Do kids still call their dad Papa? <laughs> probably well, some uh, I felt I felt a little taken out by that. It was kind of weird. To probably me. Like, some areas, like depends. You know. Okay, but I mean, to Early be fair, days. we don't do we do we have a time frame on this thing? Like exactly, that was one thing I told Chad because mm. I was like, this movie looks like well, some of the flashbacks they looked like from decades past. Like I was sitting there, I was like, "Is this 50s, 60s, even?" You, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. just so, the way that they were dressed, the car that they were in that it one was point. modern day. It was modern day. So you think I mean, it's, you tell um, from the cars that were there? And the I just thought it was they, those, looked those were cars not from the 60s or, you know, whatever. Are we? Sure they were modern that? day cars. Are we sure about that? 
<laughs> I cannot say I'm sure about well, that. Well, you know what? I mean, time is not a thing there. He even says he doesn't know what... Well, yeah, what, he does he say he stopped keeping the calendar, calendar. Which, yeah. I mean, no. when you live in a gray world... And but, I mean, it's also like possible that, just because, I mean, back then, you also had the fear of nuclear war and nuclear fallout and bombs going off and destroying the world. So, it's possible. Yeah, maybe. we saw that threat today, though. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. <laughs> well, back because you know it was a big, really big thing. I just disagree with it. Well, it's just a possible idea. <laughs> and then also, of course, as the boy, we have Cody Smith McPhee, which I'm guessing this was his first role. No, I think this was like his third movie. Third movie? Yeah, because I, I was looking on his filmography, and apparently he had like a couple other projects. Before. Like big movies, or was this like? Mm, not that like, I. I would recall. think this was his first big this movie, is probably right? his first big one but yeah i do okay, remember so. at least seeing he had a couple other projects before this one at least okay because I, I read that he beat out like 200 people for this role 200 other I kids kids roles can be hard to fill it's hard yeah. to cast kids oh yeah looking they say at in that, hollywood was... never work with animals or kids yeah <laughs> that's one of the rules they say so yeah. if you cast a kid in your movie it kid better be amazing yeah and those, of course, are your, your main stars. We'll talk about some of these others as we get to them, but they're really small roles throughout mm-hmm. the film, you know? Those are your two main ones. Then, of course, it's directed by John Hillcote, who's also done The Proposition, Lawless. Those are both Western types. This is kind of a Western apocalyptic dystopian type of movie itself. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reading, though, that I guess I guess he comes from like a... Like a major music video background because mm. I was saying they I did a lot of stuff with like Depeche Mode and he even did some like music videos for like Bush and and um, Rune Five and all that stuff. So, mm. which explain the artistic yeah. uh, sort of oh, you know a, some of the visuals. The visual, yeah. yeah. Man, I remember David Fincher came from the background mm-hmm. of music videos first. So, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, this is based off the novel by Cormac McCarthy, which... Chad, did you say you read it or you just know about no, it? No, no, no. Um, I I know about it. I remember when the book came out. And I remember Cormac McCarthy doing a lot of like press and stuff like that. And I remember he was on Oprah when she had her show on. He was on Oprah and he was talking about his career, but he was there promoting The Road because that was his new book that he had out at the time. Hmm. Did it, did everybody in the audience get a book? You get a book, and you get a book. You I mean, it's at least Oprah could do after she shafted the audience <laughs> the next day <laughs> on the car thing. But uh, you know, you know, those people were mad. The next day, they went in the studio. Right? They were expecting something, and she's like, "Oh, you get a keychain, like not even a house, <laughs> not, not even a house. not a house, not a you know, Oprah t-shirts. entertainment console or something. I don't know." But uh, you get a t-shirt. You get a t-shirt. Ooh, but you know, I happen to think though, I bet those people had to pay a bunch of taxes though on those vehicles they got. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Oprah sold them to them for a dollar, made around the tax laws. But anyway, maybe she got a good tax break from Emerald City in the land of Oz, possibly to get but their cars. Anyway, for those yes. People, so I remember hearing. Uh, I remember hearing a lot about the book and and. You know, even reading a little bit about it, but no, I actually I've never read the book because Cormac McCarthy, his writing style is just a little off-putting yes, to me. <laughs> if anybody out there has ever read his book, 
So yeah, but I remember I remember having a friend of mine who highly recommended that I read it. But yeah, I just never got around to. The only thing I read of his was No Country for Old Men. So, okay. can't really say. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure that at least the style is similar. I mean, uh, you know, probably. I his his writing style is definitely different. You have to kind of watch it's yourself. It's unorthodox. I'll say yeah. that his, his his approach to how he writes is unorthodox. Okay, so I guess I mean, as I was telling you before we recorded, I listened to it on audio last night, and I think that did mm-hmm. help because. The person narrating did voices for that different character, so they really mm-hmm. understood. You know, because I know you were talking about how the dialogue was kind of hard to tell because they didn't have the quotes mm-hmm. or whatever. Yes. So yeah. they yeah, made no sure to change the voices up. And <laughs> maybe that was why to make sure you knew who was saying what and when. So mm-hmm. Josh did his extra homework, his extra credit homework. Yeah, he went and he read, read the, the book, book and watched well, the, the book at least. <laughs> yeah, but that's the way I've always been. I've always been like I was the student that met, like. The minimum expectations <laughs> to pass the class. <laughs> so that that that's me. I just watched the movie. Okay, so let's just start with what are your general overall thoughts of this this movie? Chris, would you like to start it off? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's your choice. Uh, you should, well, you should probably go. Uh, general overall thoughts. Well, uh, are you asking if I if I liked it? Uh, yep. I mean, or, general thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Whether you liked it, what uh, you general liked. general feeling of the movie. Um, yeah, I really I liked it. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a good character study type movie. You know, I definitely really enjoyed the the look and the feel and the atmosphere of the film. I thought it was really superbly done. I suppose, and it's just it's a very it's a very layered story, very layered film. And it's one of those things you could, you could sort of, you can really think about and analyze and peel back, you know, things and, and I don't know. I mean, I really enjoyed it for that aspect. It's definitely a cerebral type movie, in my opinion. Okay. Chad, something I should have asked at the beginning. What made you decide to choose this for your choice this Father's Day anyway? <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest, um... I just knew that it was a father-son um, story. <laughs> and it gave you a reason to finally and, watch it? <laughs> and that gave me a reason to finally watch it. I was like, oh, hey, you know, I mean, you know, uh, I knew it was, it was a, you know, a sort of a, a parent's love for their child and the links that with their, which they're willing to go to, you know, protect their child and, and everything. Yeah. So I thought, well... Why not? Let's let's give it a whirl. Because I had never seen the movie, so it right. gave me an excuse to watch it. No I, I agree. This. <laughs> I, this was one that was on my list to watch for some time as well, and I hadn't taken the plunge. And sometimes that's what this show is good for. It. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. watch stuff I hadn't because I've watched quite a few movies doing this podcast that I wouldn't have watched before or haven't mm-hmm. watched or haven't made time for, and now I have. But yeah, I got to tell you, boy, this thing. It's it's good. It's well made. And for the most part, it's very faithful to the book as well. There are some Mm -hmm. things that are different. But for the most part, it's pretty faithful. But good Lord, this is dark. It, yeah, it's a very and like even even very like dark just movie. just to look at is dark, you know, because like yep. like you said, everything's very gray. Sunny, everything's right? yep, everything's <laughs> ash. That's what I was getting ready to say. Everything is ash. 
around this yeah. place. Well, one of the things I had to do was turn off the lights in order to really watch it. Yeah. So I try to see a little bit more of the details from okay. what I was seeing on the screen. It was, like you said, it was like all those grays and dark and everything. It was a little hard to see with some of the a light on or something like that in the room. So I actually had to turn the light off. Well, there you go. But one thing I didn't expect to get, and I will say I appreciated this, is it gives off a big theme of hope, you know, from especially from the side of the boy. The father's always, I would, he's trying to be realistic, but it does come off as pessimistic because the boy's always like, can't mm-hmm. we do this? No, no. Yeah. I mean, it's a well, bunch of no's, a oh bunch of no's. He's, yeah, yeah, that was part of my problem. chimes in with harsh <laughs> reality <laughs> of things. Well, um, here's the thing. Like, it was a little hypocritical. Okay, to me, I felt like it was a little hypocritical. Just because he was teaching the boy the whole time, be kind, be the good guy. Right. You know, basically... Watch out for other pe- good people as well. And the moment the boy would stand up for those things, then he's like, "No, well, no, that's, that's sort of the no." Crux of the and whole I movie. understand a little bit of what the reason him doing that. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, it's like you're not preaching what you're telling either. So be careful. Yeah. Well, the whole. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like that's that's really the whole point of the movie is like, you know, how do you hold on to your humanity in a world that has, has gone lost its humanity absolutely fucking upside right. down yeah. and it's is dying. You know how how yeah. do you how do you hold well, on to your humanity and how do you also teach that to your kids too? But you know, when you're telling them to be good and stuff like that, but. And the thing is, I don't, I don't, yeah. I mean, in this movie, I mean, you, you see, I mean, obviously, I mean, everything's dead, basically, you know, like the vegetation's dead, the animals are dead, people have turned to eating each other, you know, as sort of a, you know, barbaric last resort in a lot of ways. But the weird thing and, is, is glimpses of hope because they're able to find oh, the beetle. some bugs and the, the beetle that beetle. are still alive. So yeah. life will... In a way, you can say the movie was, will tell you that life will find a way. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, let me tell you. The Earth will be around a lot longer than humanity, mankind will ever be. <laughs> mm. So, man, you know, mankind will die out. The Earth is resilient. The Earth will, will come back. But the thing I really liked about this movie, and I was thinking about it today, is it reminded me... Because, uh, you know, they don't they don't explain, like, how... They don't explain like what happened to the Earth. They don't explain what happened, uh, which I think is is kind of a really it's a neat idea because it, it allows you to sort of form your own narrative around that. But I was thinking the day of a book that I had read a couple of years ago called The Sixth Extinction, and basically it's a book that that talks about how humanity, how how man is going to be our own downfall because of how we are treating the earth, treating the environment, things like that, you know, and, and how, you know, we like to think that, you know, people, you know, ancient humans and people in the past sort of lived harmoniously with the environment. But the truth is when you look at the evidence, like humans, as long as we've been around have been horrible to our environment. We've, you know, made other species go extinct for as long back as humans have existed. And, I think 
what I really like about this film, it reminds me of that because it's, it's definitely a film that is to me gives this idea that, you know, human, uh, that mankind's avarice is our greatest weakness. And it's going to be our, <laughs> the thing that really ends up shaking us down eventually at some point, because, you know, we, we, humanity at the end of the day, we don't care as long as, <laughs> you know, as long as we're getting what we need here and now, it doesn't really matter what happens to anything else, you know, cause we always sort of live on that. Treat well, the mean, symptoms as they come yeah. rather than sort of preventative care, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right, yeah. Yep. So. Well, and then at the end of the day, all humans are basically animals anyway. We're, exactly. We're all yeah, we, are, we can all be very barbaric, you know, at the end of the day. Because, I mean, you know. Which is through history and all mm-hmm. that stuff, too. So yeah. We see how people can treat other people. And this movie is no different than showing that too especially yeah. with apparently cannibalism being a huge thing and what they're the links they're willing to go through and stealing from people and and a lot more like it can get pretty grotesque i mean i know we talked about a controversial scene in the book versus from the movie that was not in the film you know yeah it just shows how like chad said how barbaric people can be yeah, you know, but it's all it. What happens is just that people go to that that simple mind of survival. It's yeah. like, like that. What is it, like the lizard brain? Yeah, <laughs> you know, the primal it, brain. It's yeah, the primal brain. Are you willing so, to do whatever you have yeah, to do to so survive? Yeah, so it's just all about thinking of survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it does a good job of showing. We talked about the man and how he he's saying one thing, but he's doing another because it is a fine line in this world between being a good guy and a bad guy. It almost seems like yeah. in his mind, really. Almost the only difference is really just whether or not you eat other people for food. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that seems yeah. to be his his personal threshold. Because yeah, well, and also I think killing people, like, because it, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't. The impression is that he's killed people for a long. He's you know until that until the first that guy, first moment, yeah, yeah until the first guy, guy in the woods they that found yeah. him. Because I mean that guy could read him pretty well but i think what's interesting is that you know later on when they encountered the thief he was willing to let that thief die Mm -hmm. from the elements he didn't kill him but he was willing to let him die literally stripped of all of his clothes and you know took back the food that he stole and was willing to let that man die and i think it's one of those things too where like maybe like once you get a taste for killing you know when you you take a life like it doesn't more than what you affect you Yeah, like See, the less I, it affects you later. I find that interesting because I actually think, yes, he was. You're right. He was willing to let him die. But I think in his mind, because he didn't kill him himself, and he that was he was able to separate, differentiate the fact that mm-hmm. it wasn't him that killed that man. He's going to die mm-hmm. on his own either way. Yeah. Yes, him taking the food, him taking the clothes is going to speed that up. But he did not murder him. And... And I can't remember because I actually watched the movie a few days ago and I listened to the book last night. So this may not have been in the movie and I can't remember. (laughs) So you have to help me on this. But in the book, they get further down the road and he puts all his clothes and a couple cans of food on the road and set Mm. something on top of it so that that man will eventually find it. He's like, we want to head. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he he wants him to survive. He just wants to get a head start because he doesn't trust anyone. 
it was the but that was after his him. son yeah his son had to convince was convincing him. him to to go back because his son was and like his son was the one who we laid the, the good can guys. of food yeah too Oh yeah, I mean his son is definitely the symbol of hope throughout this movie. Like the whole. Well, time. I think if anything, his son was his only key to remember what it is to be human, mm-hmm. uh, to be as civilized, if you will, and not lose his humanity, not lose his. Well, what is it he says heart. in the movie when he's looking at his son? He's like, if 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 God didn't speak when he. If God doesn't speak through him, or if God doesn't, if God didn't speak when He made him, then then God didn't doesn't exist at all, or something mm-hmm. like He says something along the lines of that. Like basically, when He looks at His Son, He sees God. He sees God. He does say that. He tells the old man, "This is my God." I know He says that specifically. Yeah. yeah. So. So I mean, I, like Chris was saying, I mean, I, you know, His Son is really the only thing that's keeping him connected, keeping that fire that He talks about. You know, when he's like, you carry the fire, which is another thing. I mean, because I mean, it, I don't, like, I don't remember them bringing it up at the end when the son asked the veteran guy, do you carry the fire? I don't remember them mentioning it earlier in the film. But I know yeah, in the they book, did. It's a, they did. They did. Uh, but yeah. I in the book, they sort of talk about because I remember McCormick McCarthy sort of talking a little bit about that. But I know it's like a lot of people debate, like, what the fire is a metaphor for. <laughs> Um, I think it was uh, like a fire for the fire for keeping that humanity alive, keeping the. Nah, I just yeah, took it as the will to live. Like that's yeah, the will to live, the, the will to survive to in that terrible the world. Goodness to keep keep the goodness as well. Oh God, would that just be, be awful aware, to think yeah. like the world they live in? I mean, you're going to die at some point anyway. I mean, so, to be fair, we all live in a world we're going to die in at some point. So just, I mean, you no, but I mean, in the, I mean, in that world, though, I mean, every day is a fight of survival, though. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're I, saying. I, I hear myself now. I but... see what you're saying, and, and, and it's because we live the way we're able to live that when we see mm-hmm. something like that, we're like, oh, yeah. would I want to even live a yeah. week in this world? Well, well, like I, I sort of identified with the mother. Like I sort of identified with the, the mother, mother, the wife, yeah. the wife in there. I'm like, you know. I mean, I guess you could argue that, you know, maybe she was a little weak or whatever, but on the other hand, I'm like, I mean, she kind of had a But point, she wasn't though, the only like... one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. She, she wasn't was... the only one because they found those people hung, too. I mm-hmm. think that they hung themselves. Yeah. That family in that, in that barn. Barn or something, yeah. And then I mean, also I... was that one person that they found that body in that bed mm-hmm. that was in their blankets and all that stuff. So you had to assume maybe the person could have got sick. They probably starved to death and just laid in their bed and covered up, you know, died from that. Mm. So, but that's the one thing me and Chad, we were it's watching terrible. this movie on Tubi. Yeah. And so they would have ads, right? Yep. Out there. And the, <laughs> oh my God. Every <laughs> ad had a therapy, a therapy, better help. Sorry. We're not, message. this is not a sponsor. <laughs> It podcast was, yeah but every video <laughs> break had a damn commercial really for an online therapy service and i was but like, i had to give oh their commercials God. credit because <laughs> every commercial they had was different yeah and they used a different like, it was a metaphor yeah. than to say like my mind slipping need help or something like that but i mean that's not bad i mean if you need if you need therapy services oh, absolutely because no, i seek I it out had it earlier i'm an advocate for for 
professional therapy services. But the point is they got the message across. But they got the message across. I, mean, I think you needed this for that movie. movie. I mean, this movie was... Yeah, that particular that, ad during this movie was definitely <laughs> intentional. They knew what they were doing placing that ad yeah. during this. Because, yeah, you don't, you don't... This isn't a feel-good movie. This isn't a... Nope. No, watch been this all the time like, movie. Yeah, it would have been interesting to like just oppose that with some like ridiculous form like rubber chickens. Are they for you? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, you asked Chad too, like as far as like, or you asked me first, like how basically for like the movie and all. The thing for me is like I have to say it wasn't really my favorite. I <laughs> like I respect, I respect how people can you know how it got the good critics and scores and there are excellent performances in this movie there's no question about mm-hmm. like vigo mortensen was fantastic even to cody smith mcphee he was good as a little boy but man i just couldn't really get into this one very much i i could read into a lot of different things like we were just discussing but I had to agree with some of the comments we got as well. Like it's one of those movies that okay, one time watch was good. I don't need to see it again. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely touch on that when we get there. So let's let's go back through these. Let's. I guess we'll start with the flashbacks. The woman played by Charlize Theron. So she's. They starts off with them two together. She's pregnant. So she's giving birth like right after this thing has started. It mm-hmm. seems like. Yeah, because she was only in the movie for like what, maybe ten minutes if she was lucky. Yeah, I am surprised they had the name they got for that role. role. They expanded her role for this movie compared to the book, from what I understand. Yeah, you. I mean, yeah, you don't get. I mean, you don't get a lot of her either one. So, I'm surprised they went with a name as big as hers for a role as small as this. Yeah, especially at the time, right? Yeah, because I was like, she was. That's sort of right near the well. Two thousand five, she yeah. won the Oscar. Well, two thousand six, I guess technically, but she won it for um, Monster. Monster. So I mean, she was doing some pretty big movies thereafter. Like I think her last Oscar nomination after that was uh, North Country Northern or something. Country, like, I North think. Country or something. Yeah, yeah. North Country. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I know that at least was like a couple of years before this one, perhaps. Right. So she's a big, yeah, big name. And it's kind of surprising she had this kind of tiny role. But at the same time, it was important because it was part of, I think that's part of his humanity he was holding on to because that was yep. that was his great love. And then also who gave him his other great love. Exactly. And I think it's it's... I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm a father, but I'm not a mother. So I don't know. And I don't think my wife could ever do this. Like the fact that she's, she's willing to go off. She doesn't want to live in this world, but she mm-hmm. wants him to take care well, of their even son. Before she, even before she gave birth, remember like there's that scene where she, her water had already broke, but she's mm-hmm. walking. She's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to give birth. I don't want push. And then here she is where at that dinner table as well, where she told him, like, my heart broke the day that he was born. You well, know, so I mean, I knowing like, the world they live out. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could, yeah. And yeah, I mean, she, she gave it a good try. I mean, she held out for many years <laughs> before yeah. she finally decided. Mm-mm. And plus, they only had the two bullets. So, you know, she knew that, you know, it came down to it. And she was getting kind of mean with the husband there, like, 
you know, I think she was just kind of like, how, you know, she was kind of almost blaming him. Like, how can you make me do this or something? Or how can you keep, I don't know, like, how can you keep us here? You're not going to be able to do that. She was very, but that was a depression talking too, I think. So hence the, all those ads that we that saw. That was her I hopelessness. Mean, you tell, yeah. Yeah. Her, yeah, she, yeah. I think at that point she had given up and she knew she wasn't meant for this world. And she didn't yeah. understand why he thought he was stopping it. her. There was no stopping her. And I think even if he had, I don't know. It's really weird how they, they wrote her, I guess, for her death. Because he kind of just let her slip. I'm kind of surprised they didn't do, I guess, maybe the typical route where she probably would have left in the middle while they were sleeping, for example. Rather than... Yeah, it was a very odd choice. Argue, what because he just kind of... Let her go because she was just like, let me go or something, you know. I, Knowing I, very I, well, I, I, what, I feel like they'd happened. had that conversation many, many times, and he finally, yeah, was buying into the fact that yes, this is really what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna lie, when he says she just wandered off to die, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, she wandered off, so you never saw her. I thought mm-hmm. he was gonna encounter her somewhere on the road, which does too. not come yeah, to fruition. I but too. I did think yeah. that. Yeah, I thought. But you know what? And who's to say if they ever like made a sequel that she wouldn't just pop up at some point? She's up as a the Mad Max character that she played. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> she shows up as that. This is the Furiosa prequel we're getting. Oh, they exactly. are making one. <laughs> See, they don't even have to make one. They can just say it's the road. Oh yeah! Wow, Chad didn't think. But I know they're making a Furious prequel. I didn't realize the road was it. <laughs> it was just a ten-minute part to see like how it ended up. There you go, right so, there. That's yeah. all you needed. Well, so let's That's get the prequel. Let's talk about some of these characters he encounters. So first, I guess I think he's called the Road Rat, the Cannibal. It's the first group of cannibals, but it's that main guy. Oh, that group. Oh, the Raiders yeah. or whatever they're called. Raiders. Yeah. yeah. Country bumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that's not what Cormac McCarthy calls them. <laughs> Country bumpkins. Well, I'm just saying, especially the way that guy talked to him. You know? Yeah. Where are you from? Where, exactly. Where are you from? <laughs> you ain't got no, but maybe one or two bullets you got in one there. one or two bullets. Shoot. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you said, he knew him. He knew him down. He knew exactly. He, he, he was did. right on everything he said to him. Mm-hmm. Except for the one part where he did take the kid, and, and that's where he fucked up. That's where he. Fu- that's yeah. where he died. That's and the thing. He it's fucked like, up. You never know when <laughs> people can be pushed to their limits, and mm-hmm. well, especially yeah. when you're dealing with a parent. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to fuck with a parent. Mm-mm. Although I gotta admit, like for someone who, it, like you said, it seems like this is the first time he's ever actually pulled the trigger to kill someone. Holding his son, he was taking a big chance firing that gun, unless he was like. You know, had some a lot of uh, experience yeah. using. That was guns. an amazing think, aim he had. Too. Yeah, exactly. One that's shot, that's one yeah. kill, boom. One right shot, was, bam. I was going to say, so I think the thing for him too is he just thought because I mean we see a few times in the movie where he's about willing to pull the trigger on his own son mm-hmm. before they even anyone even gets a hold of him. Mm-hmm. So I think in that moment he was just like, you know. It is what it is. If it hits him, it hits him and kills him, then that's it, you know, and then he would just pull the trigger on himself. Yeah, I think so, part of 
I, I think, think he was just kind of like it's going to be 50-50 and whatever lands, yeah. like no matter what, they're not going to they're not going to be the one to kill my son. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. So maybe he was hoping it hit the sun and he completely missed and hit the guy on accident. <laughs> See, I get what you're saying because, like, at one point, he's even telling the son how yeah. to kill himself, like put the gun in your mouth, point it upwards, you know, like giving him the details to make sure that he doesn't fuck it up, basically. Because you yeah. can try to kill yourself and just fuck yourself up permanently, damage-wise, mm-hmm. and then where you, you're really fucked in that world. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking like uh, arse face for Preacher. No. Well, yes. no. Considering he was a considering he was a little boy, he, he probably would have been killed right off the bat and taken for his meat. I don't know. The The wife made a good point. The men would rape her and then rape the son and then kill them. But he's lying there with a bullet in his head and still Oh, dead. well, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Right. Saying. yeah, he's already dead. I thought you meant, like, they no, would, no, no. you know, have their way. But no, yeah. Yeah, I was just commenting on Josh, like, like Josh said, if he screwed it up. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Being that young, it might be a little difficult if you, as long as you actually got it in the mouth somewhere. It'd probably be difficult to screw it up, but never know and then i mean as we said this is a movie where it's just a lot of traveling a lot of walking because the man is paranoid everywhere they go mm, like yeah. they can't be there more than the day and he's freaking out if he hears the slightest noise we gotta go we gotta go because he's mm-hmm. as i said the boy's about hope he wants to stay he wants to try to settle down have a normal life the man is nope everybody's bad he says to find the good people but in his mind everyone is bad he doesn't which i don't well, blame him dta don't trust DTA, anybody. there you go there's that, and then at the same words time, of wisdom from Stone Cold. <laughs> well, at the same time, you gotta think he's probably, which I do think he is too. Like he's probably pissed off at his wife as well for giving up and leaving, and not being there like he is in order to try to have his son survive and be protected. So I think that probably that little bit of anger and all probably made him a little cynical as well. Not just by losing someone who he really loves, but that person walked out, you know, there's that part where him and his son are sleeping. He says he misses his mom and he's like, well, you have to forget her. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And to say forget her. Yeah. That's, that's anger speaking. If you say it like, yeah, that. You're, yeah, I agree with that. And then we move on to our, our next main person. And that of course is, the old man, played by Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Yeah, me and Chad were looking at you like, man, he looks familiar. And then Chad's like, is that Robert Duvall? <laughs> it is Robert Duvall. Like, it looks like the guy from Days of Thunder. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one I've never seen, actually. So there you go. Oh, uh, uh, you know what? Now you're going to have your viewers. Cause, like, I, see it. Uh, I think, I don't know. I don't call it NASCAR. But I think we're entering NASCAR season here. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, it's or been it already been full swing. It, it, I don't it's, know. It's, yeah, it's full swing. It starts in so, about late February. I don't know when the like the big final race is, but we should watch it for the month of the big final races. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's it's one of my favorites. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to take your word on that because I yeah I watched Top Gun for the first time last year and overrated. Sorry. Overrated. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're not talking about Top Gun or Days of Thunder right, right. now. The old man. What were your thoughts on the old man and how this interaction went? Especially from the boy, because once again, it's the boy that gets um, everything. 
Well, it was a good performance. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good. <laughs> but I think it was just a, another lesson in showing that, you know, he's been telling his son basically to be a good guy. And his, and like I said, I think his son is the only cord that's connected to what was his humanity before everything happened. And the son's God, basically God reminding him that, no, you, you help, you try to help everyone as best as you can, even those who, you know, may have wronged you or those who may have done something bad in their past life or whatever. Like, it, you know what I mean? Because he was, it was sort of being a little biblical in that regard, I think. And I think it's what his son sort of represented in this scene. Like his son would probably sit there and have dinner with, you know, the lepers and the prostitutes and <laughs> the thieves and the killers, you know, for example. And I think that's kind of what his son was reminding him that, no, this is your fellow human being, your fellow brother, like, help him. You know, he needs help. He's hungry. It was yeah. a very Frankenstein-esque type thing, right? When Frankenstein's with the, the well, blind that's man. Different. I, never even, I didn't think that, no. <laughs> but, I mean, I, like, and then, for example, you see, too, where they're going up the hill and he's holds the guy's hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was also a reminder for the old man that there are good people there are too. still good people. In so the it's world. like you know the you never know who you could touch, if you will, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> when you do something good for somebody else when they need it. You mm-hmm. need to be reminded right. of it or something. You know? And yet, as soon as he does it, the man's immediately don't hold his hand, don't hold his hand. Yeah, like every little thing, like he tells him to be good, but every step of the way. His actions are saying, "Don't be good." Don't, yeah, I, I realize that kind this. of annoyed me a little. Something <laughs> like, but "What you're saying is completely opposite of what you're teaching him." <laughs> now, and the good thing is, he's been doing this for however many years on the road, and yet the boy is not picking up on it from the dad. Like, he, yeah, he knows yeah, it, but like, you know, I think that the boy would have been really hard by this point because, I mean, this is the only world he. Has yeah. ever known like they see that body in the bed again it's like eh, it's nothing you haven't seen before yeah right yeah, like, was... even the hanging the hanging yeah the, the bodies the bodies hanging yeah. you know the son's like why did they do that and he's like you know why <laughs> like very cold and callous the the father is in some parts but also yeah. trying to teach his son to harry the to fire be a so good to person speak. yeah be a good be a good guy but I mean, again, you know, it goes back to the whole crux of the movie being, you know, how do you hold on to your hum- to your humanity in a, in a world, world like that, in a world yeah. that's cold and callous and dead and right wants you dead. And I think I think part of it, luckily, the man does tell his son's stories that he can remember of courage, mm-hmm. you know, these heroes in his day. And I think that's what helped keep the son's hope alive, I guess, because it sure well, sounds like from what his father's doing yeah. in the world. <laughs> Because I was like, they had the books that he was reading to his son every night as well, and right. So he's he's been teaching his son along the way of just all those things, if you will, before the world went to hell in the handbasket. So I don't, I don't. It's just it's interesting. I, it was a good, like I said, I loved how you talked about. You know, he said like uh, he looked at his son as like God speaking to him, and I think that's what this was essentially. 
yeah in those yep. moments in those yep. moments of being good yeah yeah I, I, and you you make a good point like with him always being good no matter what the situation is is he supposed to exemplify that like he yeah. looks at him as that is he supposed to be that representation of god in this movie well even uh like uh, when we fast forward a little bit there's that scene where they find the beetle and he was mm. like hey what's this because it was the first time he saw that particular beetle which i was like hey why finds a way you know yeah. it, i think that was a little message of hope of saying like hey something else is surviving around you know then they were shot by an arrow, you know? And so when he was, the father was hit by an arrow, even his son was sitting there saying, don't go, Papa, just let's leave, let's leave. But his dad was determined to see who it was and probably kill them, which he did kill one of them. And then of course- Rightfully had, so. Yeah, which I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking that, I was sitting there thinking that too, I was like, I'm sorry, but they kind of had that coming by doing that. I mean, they were aiming. <laughs> that arrow was, I think, aimed at his son, particularly mm-hmm. in my opinion, even though it flew right between them. But, you know, it was damn near close to hitting the sun. And so they kind of, that flare that came through the window, I was like, mm, well, they kind of brought it on themselves by doing that shit. They did, but and it, and it shows that the man is not the only one living in a paranoid world. They're all, yeah, they yeah. all live like yeah, everybody's paranoid yeah but you know he probably could have just left the flare alone and then just leave like start running away because obviously they stopped well his leg was fucked up you at know? that point yeah i don't to run anywhere no but he fucking ran up that well the adrenaline thing, you, you know adrenaline to get rush. into the house and go see who it was and he probably just could have left it alone because obviously it stopped so he probably should have just left it alone and kept going, like just get away while you can. And I think that's what his son was maybe trying to do. It was just like, no, let's just go. Don't, don't go in that house because you don't know what other danger could be in there. Right, and it could have been more, and turned out to just be the man laying there on the floor dying because of the flare, and the woman who says that they've been following them. So it's that paranoia mm-hmm. thing. Everybody thinks. Yeah. It, and we didn't mention earlier, but the boy said he saw another little boy run off and he wanted to go play yeah. with him. And, and the man's like, you didn't see that. Oh you my didn't God. see that. Okay. That yeah. scene drove me okay. crazy. That ending scene. Mm. When she does say, like, we've been following you. Oh, we're not there. Not that. <laughs> I know, but that's the, that's one of my problems I have with this movie. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna get there. Going, I'm like. The whole time, the whole time. You know, well, I think, I, I think, I think that's why they did see a woman out somewhere. Like they saw her from afar. I think that's supposed to be her. He saw the, the little boy. boy running off. That's that little boy. So I do think they lead you to that a little bit. Uh, no, I agree. But okay, <laughs> the way that it gets to it, where I'm like, you made this guy freak out. About someone following him, and yet you could not find the moment to sit there and go, "Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. We're not here to cause trouble. We just want to make sure you're okay." But they wait till the very end when the father dies to well, finally come out and say, "We've been following you this whole time." And <laughs> I, I, I see your point, but I also think that they they didn't want to risk that because they could tell. 
It's the same thing goes back to you don't trust anybody in this world. They didn't want to approach him, and then this guy just flip on him, and because uh, they don't know if he's going to kill or not. But they don't. They don't know the whole time. Then like they would have probably seen some of his other interactions, I guess, and been like, "Well, we can approach this differently without him shooting or something." I don't know. I feel like that could have. I just feel like so you're just making it more scary for him <laughs> by like having your little boy run around like get the attention run around a corner of a building and disappear like a ghost or something and you know and then them seeing a woman who also just like i don't know i was like come on now come on if you're that worried and you're that caring you would find a way just that's saying. true saying. yeah i can understand that because i mean yeah they're they're doing it the stalkerish way instead of <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the we've like been following there, you know. <laughs> that, that's that's well, fair, without Chris. The murdering, without the murdering part, we've been watching you, Barbara. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big Brother is watching. And it also maybe takes you to: Are those two kids they have theirs, or do they just follow families that have kids, knowing that's that the parents are going to eventually die off? Because one thing about. Vigo's character, the man in this, is that you can tell how sickly he progresses. Well, yeah. I will say well, there are some scenes he looks really sick, and then the next scene he'll have color back. And I'm like, well, wait a minute now. He was looking well, a lot sicklier the scene before well, that. He started coughing a little bit more frequently. I told Chad from that point, I was like, oh, he's got pneumonia. He's got the COVID. <laughs> is this the COVID I'm, world, Chad? It, it, it triggered me. This this movie triggered me with the COVID. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, well, well that's fair. The hell. Because it can lead to pneumonia, so that's pretty much. But that I can't is. blame them because they were in those elements sometimes, sleeping literally outside mm-hmm. and in the rain next to the ocean and the cold. Yeah, and then there's I'm a like, moment mm-hmm. he dived in the ocean, to get to that ship to see if there was. He got a flare gun out of it. Yeah, he got a flare gun. That's where he got the flare gun. That didn't help him. Uh, with his condition very much. And so I guess because he knew he needed his clothes to be dry, that's why he took all his clothes off. So he didn't yeah, wet the only yeah. clothes he had because otherwise yeah. he would never be able to get warm. So I oh, get man. it. And the first time they were able to take a bath, I was like, oh, this, this poor people. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, you know, the smell. Like, yeah. yeah and then the, smell, one of the first think. scenes where they're in the tent. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Vigo Mortensen was taking off his shoes and his socks. I'm sitting there going, no, that's not bad. <laughs> You know that's got to be bad. Josh was triggered. I was expecting, I was honestly expecting his son to be like, damn, your feet stink or something. You know, <laughs> I, mean, they, you know. I don't know. I, I think well, at this I point, don't... they're probably all used to it because they've never, exactly. yeah. that boy's never had, smelled like, cleanliness. All their, you know, feet were really wrapped, which I understand that, you know. And then there was like the stranger guy that, you know, he made them strip, even had uh, bags on his, plastic bags on his feet and stuff too. So, Oh man, I don't know. I was like, "That's," whew. I was like, "That that bath probably did feel really good." <laughs> oh, and yeah. when they got that shelter as well, and they found all that food, and I told Chad, I was like, "If it was me, and if I was that dad, and I was probably feeling sick or something like that, I would probably try to find a way to just stay there for a while and just." And that's what the that's what the boy wanted to do. You know? but he yeah. Just- he couldn't trust it, and it goes back to what you said. Those people were following you know, him, making him paranoid. So made those sounds up top, you know, that was him because he was like, "I think that's a dog. Mm-hmm. I think that's a dog." Yep. So they made him paranoid, and and therefore made them 
flee <laughs> the area. I'm like, see, you guys scared them. You scared them. And you couldn't do something. They were stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, well, okay. Other than that, they were stalkers. How do you feel about this ending with the boy encountering the veteran, as he's called? And well, how that interaction was. A second, I was like, that man looks familiar. And I was like, Oh, that's Guy Pierce. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so, he's a jolly good fellow. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think it kind of came quickly. I was kind of thinking that we might see the boy try to survive on his own for just maybe a few more minutes of the film before he suddenly meets somebody else to take him in. Um, just to kind of see what he well, would do in order to survive on his yeah. own and what he learned from his dad. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I know it. in the book, I know in the book he stayed with his dad for like what, a few days? I feel like I feel like they did say a few days. They talk about yeah. a few days okay. going by while he stays with him and does in the his movie, own thing. I don't uh, it was like the next day. Like it was really quick. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was kind of abrupt a little bit that suddenly, oh wait a minute, now there's someone like a an adult to take him in and protect him and but if they've been following the whole time and watching, they were just pretty much waiting on the dad to die, so they probably saw it pretty quickly too. Mm-hmm. So that kind of sounds pretty bad in way too when you say that. <laughs> like, well, I mean, we're they, gonna I wait mean, till the father probably dies. Knew that the dad was gonna <laughs> expire at any time. So that's, that's what probably. I was asking. No, I mean, probably, Are these but... first two kids really theirs, or did they watch exactly. these parents that die and take those kids as well? But you know, I think what he took as a good sign was that yeah, there was two other kids because and a dog because if they were cannibals, they wouldn't have kids. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, had the dog. And if they definitely had the dog, they would have eaten the damn dog. Point. But they didn't. So I think that gave him the the instinct to be like, okay, I think I can take that leap of faith and trust these people. Man, it makes me wonder though, like, what are they feeding that dog? <laughs> oh, I know. Because I mean, I'd be worried about the dog going like, you know, well, full hungry. Rage, the thing is, they looked like they were pretty good themselves. <laughs> they didn't look like they were necessarily starving. I will that say is, that. That's and very then she true. Was like, and she did sit there and tell him that everything was basically going to be okay. So it makes me wonder if maybe they know something that you know, he, uh, you know Mortensen's character didn't know that maybe they know of a safe space to go to or you know whatever um or even a safe community or whatever yeah i did wonder if they had like a group of people like yeah. back somewhere uh, that would like see... make me nervous that's why i don't understand anarchists who believe that people can govern themselves like mm, i mean have you seen these post-apocalyptic shows well you know i think <laughs> they try to establish a civilization and i think mm. the other thing too is that the ending was definitely the when meeting those people was a way of saying like even in the most darkest of times there are good people out there there is someone who's going to there are people who are going to be there to help you but how long are they going to be good for that's why like i said i I felt like the overall theme is is hope because at the end he met someone he's got a family to take him in and at least his survival it's as good as it can in this world looks pretty good. <laughs> as good as it can you know, in this, maybe in this his world. character grows up to be someone who changes the world that they're in. Well, 
Corn Chad, maybe this this is Mad Max story. I think Chad likes to be a little cynical. <laughs> I think Chad's like, I want it to be cynical. Damn it, everyone dies. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I mean, Josh can testify to this. In the book, it, the the man actually says, "There's no way. There's no going back." For the you know, when he's describing the the world, the earth, he's like, "There's no fixing it. There's no going back." So, I mean. Right, but there's also a lot of times when the boy will ask about whether it's roads or mm-hmm. different landscapes. He's like, how long do you think this will last? And he's like, oh, the world has a way. It'll probably last hundreds, possibly even thousands of years. It can it can do its thing. Yeah. But Chad, it goes back to what you say. The Earth's going to survive whether even long past yeah. us. So. And I mean, and again, life finds a way because that beetle, he didn't even know what the fuck that was, but it was it was around. It was alive. Right. So even a little bit of a little bit of life, a little tiny life like that can also mean some sort of hope as well. And you know what? The beetle is a symbol of Ra, the sun god of Egypt. And hopefully so that, maybe means that means the sun, the will, sun come will come out, out tomorrow, yeah. as uh, Annie would say. That's right. Little orphan Annie. <laughs> All right. Yes, that's so, so that is the end of the road. Chad, do you have anything you'd like to add? I know you said you... Came up with some stuff. I don't know what you want. Oh, no. I mean, I think you, pretty much we answered that. I mean, because we covered the stuff. We were like, you know, like what ideas okay. did you get in the movie? What kind of emotional reaction did you have to it? That sort of thing. Yeah. So. Chris, did you have a visceral emotional reaction to this one? I, well, I would say I did, especially if I was able to see these different points of view, you know these interpretations if you will i mean i boohooed at the so, end when the dad died and the they were saying their final words to each other that got me you shed like, a tear oh, yeah. God. I hated that too i was like no not the dad but you knew it was going to come like one right. of them was going to die and obviously it was going to be him because he was going to he kept getting sicker and sicker and like i said the moment he started coughing i was like oh great he's got pneumonia he's going to end up drowning in his own phlegm so i don't like I said, I, it wasn't my favorite movie. I got a lot out of it, and it was nice to see it, but it's not a movie I would want to revisit again. Okay. <laughs> well, good. It was, I'll tell it you was what, Chris, before you me. get into that, before we get into our ratings, let's go yeah. to what the mm-hmm. listeners R-rated. had to say. Yeah, and then we'll get into R rating. Yeah. Yes, an R. this movie has an R like rating. Hard R. Yeah, hard R. Our rating. <laughs> Our right, so, rating, right? <laughs> all right. So now we'll get into listener comments. Listener comments. Mail, motherfucker. All right. I'm going to start off with the Salsa Verde podcast. And they said, I started reading the book in Spanish. Never finished it. But the movie was good. So. <laughs> Glad you liked uh, the movie. Yeah, I think that's uh, maybe a testament to... Cormac McCarthy's uh, unorthodox writing technique. That could true. be, could be, with his unorthodox, and then it translating to Spanish. I, I don't know. I don't know how that translation would go because it might make it even more confusing. Sometimes translations can mess up stuff. Lost in translation. Yeah. yeah there you go. There you go. Another good movie. That's a good one. <laughs> Another one I haven't seen. <laughs> Josh. I think I have someone that I think I have someone that wants to do that movie. I think I know someone who has that as one of their favorites. So might be one I end up seeing. So you should. You should. All right. So we'll start off with my buddy Carlo over at the movie loot. 
Hi, Carlo. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he says, oh, this is a good one. I wrote something about it a while ago. But anyway, I love how much it relies on visuals rather than dialogue and how much Vigo takes advantage on those silent moments. Bleak and depressing, but a great film at it. And he did put a link to an article he wrote, which I did go ahead and read. And he did. He wrote a good article on it. So discover.hubpages.com. So I don't know. If you go to my page and find this particular thread, you can find the link where he put, if you want to read what he wrote. All right. So my buddy Mark from the digital, digital dissection podcast says, you get to see the raw power of Vigo's fine posterior in this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll say I thought he had actually a pretty nice booty on him for being really skinny though. It's like the fat stayed in his butt, but just not everywhere else. And to be uh, fair, like muscle, that it was pure. It was muscle. it was pure muscle. So and now it makes it there and go, damn. So him pumped up, a what the ass has got to be like then? <laughs> well, to be fair, two years before this, he was in Eastern Promises and did a naked fight in the bathroom, oh, so yeah, you can see it say, there yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I'm sure it's one of those butts you can eat breakfast right off of. Our buddy Sean at Cheap Seat Review says, "Great film, but it's hard to watch." <laughs> Which it is. All right, my buddy Pete at Middle Class Film Class says, The Road is in the category of movies where you only ever want and need to see it once, but I'm glad I watched it. Schindler's List, Martyrs, Begotten, you know what I'm talking about. I'll never forget the basement scene. Ever. Oh, let's yeah. not forget Sophie's Choice. You've not seen Sophie's Choice. I've seen it. No. Yes, I saw it, Chris. It's a good movie. It's a good movie, but holy shit. That's, well, that's depressing. That's another one we have to get Josh to watch. Yeah. yeah not, anyway. Is that is that on the yeah. one time watch for you list, Chris? Is that on the one time watch list? For I you? would actually, I would actually watch it again. Okay. It's Chris a long, is like it is a bit of a long movie. It's one perfect for anything. No. Well, that's true too. <laughs> like in family, uh, family. Uh, no, no. Shoot, was the uh, Modern Family the, oh, the one yeah. guy? Was it Cameron? I think was the bigger Cam, guy. Yeah. 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 He's like, Meryl Streep is perfect for anything. She could be cast as Batman and she would be perfect. That's true. <laughs> I was that's like, true. that's Chris. He's, he's, he's right. He's right. So anything with Meryl Streep and Chris is on I'm it. vengeance. <laughs> uh, Chris is a Meryl Alfred, Streep stan. I'm vengeance. I'm vengeance. <laughs> oh, of course I I'm vengeance. vengeance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, separate no separate little joke inside thing. Yeah. All right. The, and film the basement, nerd... one, basement one was creepy. Yeah, that scene. The basement we, scene. We yeah. didn't talk about it, but that one was creepy. Okay. Well, what do you want? You have anything you want oh, to say no, about it? I was this? just adding that it was creepy because they went down into that cellar basement area and he was like basically just trying to see if there's any supplies or whatnot there. And then instead, it's just. Well, depending on how you look at it, there was plenty of food down there. Well, a good point. <laughs> but man, all those those people that were locked up and, you know, you could tell what they were used for. And then mm. the screams and the night, you know, when they were outside. Oh, yeah. And he was having to cover his son's ears. And too, like, yeah, that was. Yeah, that was haunting. That was pretty. Yeah, exactly. Haunting is a perfect word for it. I feel like that would be like if if that was something you experienced. I feel like that'd be like one of those things you would never be able to get out of your head. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. Though. Those are the kind of things that would haunt you at night. Well, yeah. And then you say also in the movie, there's a scene where 
they see a mother and child being chased down and killed and the movie in the, the movie, field yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, i mean there was that, that was... one scene they were watching the i think it was the mother and child i think yeah they were being chased by the cannibals so i mean yeah that that's freaking scary too the film nerd theater podcast has fraction of the novel's intensity a waste of theron's mm-hmm. talent unnecessary added scenes Mortensen and Smith McPhee emote father and son well. The crew nailed the atmosphere atmosphere of the world from sets to costumes to lighting. Never felt compelled to watch more than the initial viewing. I agree. The Scuttlebutt Podcast, which I think Hermes is the one who runs the Twitter. If not, he's the one I know on it. But I I think it's Hermes. It's one of our favorite novels, which would be him and his wife, so that makes sense. Even recently reread it because of a Different podcast recommendation. Not sure what that is. And then went and rewatched the film because it's so great. Vigo owns his performance. And although we wish it stuck a little more to the hopelessness in the source material, eight and a half out of ten. So we got a rating from from Hermes. <laughs> so there we go. Thanks, Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> the spoils of her the spoils of horror just says excellent choice. My buddy Jason at the Force 5 movie podcast says, When I watch The Road, I get the same feeling that I get watching Pittsburgh Pirates baseball. Depression. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how you felt too, Josh, with that that kind of metaphor? You're a baseball guy. Do you feel the same way? Well, I mean, I don't watch baseball as much anymore. When I did, it was the Braves. And while I don't think the Braves are doing great so far this year, they did win the World Series literally just last year, so I can still ride on that high for a while. So I'm good. I'm good there. I'm good there. <laughs> Jay Hall from the Oki Bookcast says, Good movie, but even better book. Gets caught up in trying to unnecessarily explain what happened, kind of. The atmosphere of the novel is captured well, as is its brutality. Not an easy film to watch, but one worth watching. Mm. Which I kind of agree with that. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Off Radar, it's a movie podcast, says a well-made, atmospheric, superbly acted, but ultimately grim and depressing film. Couldn't look away, but wanted to. I'm not sure I can say I like this film, and it's a film you only ever want to watch once. Signed by James, so I guess James on that podcast. So, Chris, that's kind of what you were saying. You can't exactly say you like it, but definitely something I I would say worth watching. Seeing, Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like... I don't know. We've all seen a lot of movies and we've all seen some depressing ones and we've all seen some of the most stupidest movies as well and liked them. Yep. But for some reason, this movie is probably the most depressing for me forever. I don't know how to explain it other because like I've seen Schindler's List. That's a dark movie, but a very, you know, very historical in a way, too. So. I think the fact that that's a little bit more true to life is something where it's like we learn from our history, we learn from our past and all that stuff. This one was just, I don't know. It was it was a bit of a hard pill to swallow. So I know, that maybe is a weird comparison, but I don't know. This one was tough for me. I get it. I get it. It is, it is tough. I think because it is a father-son combination, as as men, we can all relate to that because we all have fathers. <laughs> I don't know. I just I wonder how how the how the let's see. I don't see any 
women that responded, unfortunately. So I don't know their perspective on this because it is a father son movie. And the right. role of women is very minimal in this movie. So it is because a lot of the characters or the majority of characters in here are male as well. And I think that's the other thing that I was trying to interpret in my head was does this also maybe in some respect talk about masculinity? Does it in somehow talk about a little bit of the male perspective? Yeah, because I wouldn't it, doubt it. I mean, we sit there and it. think of like men as more like hunter gatherers, protectors mm. and stuff like that. But then, uh, and then some of the attitudes that reflects in this movie that talks about like survival is kind of like something you would probably see in a prison system too, to some mm-hmm. extent. So, and that could get crazy. But I don't know, like, uh, I think, I think, interestingly, I think, uh, well, obviously, I mean, there's some women characters that are depraved in this world, too, as we see, to some extent, but not in a very memorable role compared to what we see with some of the male, the male characters that they interact with. Yeah, but that, that's I am curious, I don't know, I was thinking of that interpretation, but I am curious about some of the female perspective as well on this movie. All right, so let's keep going. Let's see if I find any, but I don't think there are. But for now, the Nerdstalgic podcast says the film's way better than the book. And that's the first one that said that, because most of them were saying the book is a little bit better. So that was the first one that actually said the movie's better than the book. Uh, let's see. My buddy Justin, who sometimes does guest hosting on the Film Effect podcast, says, I only saw it once when it first came out on DVD and don't really remember much about it, so I wouldn't have anything interesting to add. I've been meaning to go back and check it out. Well, sorry. (laughs) Oh, Justin, definitely check it out, Justin. Go back, give it a revisit. But to him, Kelly Madden, who is one of the co-hosts on Drunk Theory Podcast, says, Me too. I saw it, but it's been a really long time. I'll have to revisit this one. Just make sure you're in the mood for it. (laughs) Make sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I do have. Yeah, it's good, I, it's a good two. I'll tell you movie what. And it's tough. I'll tell you what. This is a good movie. My buddy Pete, who already responded on here, he does these things every couple months where he'll watch three or four, and he literally calls it Depress Fest, where he likes to watch the most bleak movies he can find. And I think this would go under that category would, very well. I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Chad, your new best friend, my buddy Jeff Hunt, Professor J, as you know him. He says, I love this novel, and I thought the adaptation was done really well. As a father of a son, this story hit a lot of notes for me. I can see that. understand that. My buddy Nick from the Film Shake podcast says, man, I just love the book so much. The movie was never going to live up to it for me. It's definitely solid, but the book is just so much better and also far more messed up. But that's just Cormac McCarthy in general. To which his partner on Film Shake, Jordan, responded, Nick can never separate himself in a movie from the book, so don't listen to him. That being said, I thought it was all right. <laughs> Some truly intense slash terrifying moments, but not something high on my rewatch list, which doesn't exist anyway because there's too much new stuff to see, which I understand that. Yeah. I'm not a huge rewatcher myself. <laughs> And to that, Nick responded back, you're just lucky I didn't bring Buffy the Vampire Slayer into this. 
Uh, <laughs> which, hey, that's a past episode they did. So I'd say go listen to it. And then Jordan said, or people can listen to our Congo episode if they don't believe me. Obviously, a book is holding too tight on your mind if killer gorillas with lasers can't sway you. Oh, man. <laughs> Congo. So good. <laughs> I've never seen Congo. Which Dick responds to, I hate Amy the gorilla. gorilla. And Jordan responds, no martini yeah, for you. Too. I was just going to say that. Amy. <laughs> Amy loves you. <laughs> but it will make you cry that one part of the end. And then my friend Jenna says, I think it's one of the most well done book to screen adaptations around. The movie captures the brutality and the love of the book very well, in my opinion. And Vigo is always terrific. It was a hard read and it's a hard watch, but both are rewarding. All right, and that is everything from this week. So thank you for all the comments. Love getting all that interaction with you guys out there. So we did have one female in Jen. She responded and just saying it was a good adaptation and that they were both hard to watch. But so we did at least get one of the female perspective. But now it's time for our rating. So I, I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll let Chad go last since this is his movie. <laughs> and, and as bleak and depressing as this is, and Anybody knows me, I'm not a huge rewatcher anyway, so this is definitely not going high on my rewatch list either. But yeah. I do like the the themes of hope that it gives. I like the performances all around, so I can still give this four cans of Coca-Cola out of five. I find uh, that one can that. of Coca-Cola. I see that. I see that. That's a good one, Josh. That's a good one. Uh, oh, I guess that means it's me, Chris, right? It's on to okay. Chris. Uh, I have a hard time because on Letterbox, I right now have two stars on it. But I'm also thinking I'm moving that up to maybe three. Just to kind of be in the halfway point for me. So I might I don't know. I might right now just say three pairs out of five. (laughs) 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 Alright. I'm with Josh on this. I'm going to you know, I, I'm definitely going to give it, I think, a four out of five rating. Um, just because, I mean, I, I do I do like the fact that it's a very layered thing. Uh, and that's it's, true, it is. To me, I, I love, and I love the production design. I mean, that's like, as I get older, for some reason, like the production design of movies, like becomes the thing that I, <laughs> that I tend to relate to a lot more um when it comes to movies um so i mean it's just it's really well shot really well you know designed to show a very you know deadened world and a very hostile world um so yeah and the performances were great and everything so yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i it is kind of really well done film so i think it got nominations for you know, several other places, but it never got that Oscar nomination. It never got the Oscar, but I think the most notable nomination it got was a BAFTA for mm-hmm. cinematography. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. And Chad, you brought up the production design. I don't remember. If, I don't think this was in the movie, but there's a scene in the book where they're pulling that cart through like six feet of snow that I would have liked to mm-hmm. have seen. Just because, can you imagine that? That cart was already hard yeah. enough to deal with. And six feet of snow going through that because they got some yeah, snow yeah. dropped on them especially with his you know him being sick and all that stuff whoo that would have been hard on not that it wasn't hard already but <laughs> right right but yeah i couldn't imagine 
But yeah, I think it, it's a good it's a good movie, I guess. But it's a good movie. It's tough. I can certainly understand why one. some why a lot of people would say like, uh, don't have any desire to watch this again. Because I mean, it is yeah. it is a it's like watching Grave of the Fireflies. You know, it's it's a very tough film to watch. I've heard that. I have not seen that, but I have heard that. And yeah, no, it's definitely the material is definitely dark, but I think for what the material is, it's very well done. Performances are very well acted. As you said, the production design looks amazing. The atmosphere is there. You definitely feel dark and depressed watching this movie. Hell, Tubi made sure they had therapy ads as their ads going into this thing. So. I mean, well, I'll tell you Disney you after know. this movie. Now. I'll tell you, <laughs> now, this movie is depressing. But there was one day I watched *Grave of the Fireflies* and *Hotel Rwanda* back to back, and that was a tough. <laughs> that was a tough day. <laughs> Chad, you had your own depressed fest, I guess. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say you got the press fest. All right, I think that's going to wrap this one up. Uh, talk about what's going forward, either. Depending on how quickly I get this edited, I don't know when it's going to be out, but either next week or in two weeks, you will be hearing our episode on The Birdcage, which will, for me, in this case, would be the only first time watch. But for me, it is a first time watch, so I'm excited to watch it. You're in for a treat, about. yes. You're in you for are. a treat. You'll thank me for this. Yeah. <laughs> and this will be... After watching this movie, you'll thank yeah, me for it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I did say on the last episode, I was going to pick Birdcage if you hadn't picked it, so <laughs> it was... It was and, and let's be honest, I think Birdcage is the reason you won this poll. Oh, I definitely agree. I think so, too. Uh, yeah, I think so. A lot of and people even Williams. commented, it was like, for Robin the Birdcage alone, he went Chad wins. So. Oh, I can't wait for Josh to see this one and mm-hmm. get his reaction. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to it. Yep. And going forward, the next one, possibly two months... I'm not sure if we're going to be on these deep dive reviews. I have some stuff coming up. have some stuff in July I'm preparing for that I can't talk about yet. That I'm getting together with Jeff Hunt, our buddy that we... Professor J. Chad, your friend. We're working on something <laughs> together. Your friend, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're working on something for July that's going to be very special for you guys. And in August, looking like we're going to do what we did last year. And Ian and Georgia and Liam and Ethan are going to be back, and it's going to be best month ever, too. Electric Boogaloo. So we'll have them on for the entire month. But don't worry, you will still get to hear Chad and Chris. I know, at least for one fact, they will be back with the Pocus Hocus guys and discussing Parasite probably either later this month or at the beginning of July. Not sure when that's going to episode is going to air yet. So you will still hear them on the show. I might get them. And another interview or two to help me out, line up, and get them back on the air some. And other than that, like I said, next week you might hear the birdcage, or it might be two weeks. Not sure how it's going to work out, but before we go, Chad, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Letterbox at Green Screen Grin. <laughs> and then me on Instagram, it's uh, X Tuffer of Oz. And then on Twitter, it's CBC Monkey, and on Letterboxd, it's just find Chatter Josh, and you guys can find me there. <laughs> Through their, we've been doing this for how long now? <laughs> you still are just like, uh. it's one of those two. Find them. It's, it's a brand. It's branding, <laughs> darling. Branding. Uh, that's always you can just go to linktr.ee slash ynf movie pod. You can find on social media, podcast platforms, YouTube channel, my personal letterbox, so that you can see 
what I'm watching that's not included on the podcast. Could be a wide variety of things from the It Man movies to a lot of kids' movies with the kids. So, never know what's going to pop up on my letterbox list. So, definitely want to check that out. Until next time, you guys take care. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.